Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, a product of Talent 409. I am your host, Colin Cernelia. Thank you for joining us today. Go to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. This podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Radio.com, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Please consider taking a minute and on Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and review. Doing this helps other dynamic leaders find us, and it helps us find other dynamic leaders. And don't forget, you can now ask Alexa to play your favorite Apple Podcasts on any Amazon-enabled device. Just say, Alexa, play the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Getting Dynamic Leaders with Colin Cherniglia from Apple Podcasts. On to my featured guest today, I have Molly McManamy on with me. Molly is an NFL agent and the vice president of client services at Carrick Sports in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. In this conversation, we learn about Molly's path to becoming an NFL agent and how she is trailblazing for women in the industry. And we also learn why she is in the business of people and less interested about being in the business of football. This is another amazing conversation, so let's discover our talent altitude. Here is my talk with Molly McManamy. Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, I have Molly McManamy. Molly, thank you so much for joining the show today and taking time out of you have a crazy busy schedule. So thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I want to, before we dive into some of the finer details of our conversation today, I first want to give you an opportunity to tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? Uh, yeah, um, like you said, my name is Molly McBanamy. I am currently a NFL player agent. I have my law degree from Chapman University, and I did my undergraduate um, studies at Cal State Long Beach, where I got a BA in communication studies. Um, I represent a decent amount of football players in our company, both personally, and then um, I work for the ones that our other agents represent, um, and we do everything from their player contracts, to their marketing, to their day-to-day stuff they need help with. And then on top of the football players, I also represent one U.S. women's national team player, Julie Ertz, who actually just won player of the year like an hour ago. So yeah, that's, that's my current occupation and what I do. I'm 28 years old, so I'm a little bit younger in this industry. Um, and then obviously I'm a woman, so that presents some challenges of its own. But I love what I do. I'm really lucky to do what I do. Absolutely. So obviously, at this point in your professional career, heavily involved in sports, did you grow up in an athletic background? Was sports something that you've always enjoyed? Or did you just fall into it as you got a little bit older? So my sports background is kind of unique. I didn't, you know, play through college or anything. I wasn't incredibly competitive as an athlete myself. I did play basketball um, all the way through my senior year of high school, but I wasn't very good. So I didn't really, I knew that wasn't my future. 
Um, I actually thought about going into coaching because I was a really smart player. I understood the game very well. I also like to think I was a good teammate, but just athletically, the, the gift wasn't there for me. Okay. Um, and I, I did run growing up as well. But again, nothing super competitive. But the, the real passion for me actually came from being a fan. I grew up in Arizona, but my mom is a UCLA alumni. And every UCLA home game for football, we would drive out for the game. So we would drive six hours both ways to go to a UCLA football game. So from an early age, being a fan was really important in my family. And that sounds so funny, but it really is just kind of a pillar of my family and who we are. And for us, the games are, you know, winning and losing is whatever, but it's more family time. So that's kind of our way of bonding. And it became a really big part of my life at a young age. I just, I basically grew up at the Rose Bowl. Um, So I fell in love with football at a very young age. And so I've always kind of been interested and intrigued in the business side of everything. And I always knew growing up, somehow I wanted to, to be involved with sports. I just didn't know exactly how until I got a little bit older. But my family's life has always kind of revolved around sports, just not in the typical way of, you know, someone in my family being really good at it or something. It was more so we just really love going to games and, and watching games together and that whole thing. Absolutely. I actually really love that. I think that sports can be really powerful and, and the people, and I'm sure you know this, maybe that talk down on sports or they don't understand what the affinity is with the the love for it. It's really a, a common bond. As you mentioned, it can be something that can bring families together. It's something that can bring communities together. So I can certainly appreciate that that was part of your upbringing and something that really interested you in the, the game of sports and in general, and was something that afforded you an opportunity to be with your family. That's super interesting. So one of the aspects that I'd like to focus a uh, at least a decent portion of this conversation on is specifically how you get into the sports industry in the way that you have. So you mentioned that you always wanted to work in sports, but you weren't exactly sure how to do it. So can you talk to us a little bit about that time period where you were figuring everything out and maybe who got you on the track to where you got to today? Yeah. And I'll preface this with, you know, a lot of people ask me this question and a lot of times it's from you know the the lens of someone who's trying to do it themselves and the first thing I always tell them is no two paths are ever going to be the same and so um, when you decide what you want to do you really have to be open to uh, a million different journeys to get there you can't you know look at one person who's doing what you want to do and say I'm going to emulate exactly what they did because it just doesn't work like that sure um and so for me I like I said, when I graduated high school, the plan was I was going to become a high school basketball coach. I wanted to stay around the game. But then I had a slight realization that teachers and coaches don't make a lot of money. <laughs> and while I'm not money driven, I, I do have a desire to live comfortably. And I just didn't see there's a, there, there's a side of me that is incredibly driven and, and still competitive and stuff. And with coaching and and everything you put up with a lot and teachers put up with a lot to get paid not enough so I kind of redirected my thoughts and thought about what else would I want to do and when I was a sophomore in college I met my dad's corporate attorney at the time and we were just sitting down in like a Christmas restaurant in New York having a just a meaningless conversation that ended up being like such a meaningful moment in my life but 
I asked her, you know, what was law school like? And I, it started to intrigue me because when I was younger, I really was interested in law as well. And then I kind of started thinking, what can I mirror or what can I uh, marry law and sports? And she said, well, I think most sports agents are lawyers. And that kind of got my, you know, mind moving. And I was like, that actually sounds really interesting. You know, you get to work with athletes every day. You don't necessarily have to be an athlete yourself, but I would still have a law degree to fall back on. That didn't work out. So that's kind of where that idea came from. And then after that, I just kind of set my plan in motion. I looked up how to become an NFL agent. Um, I knew right away I wanted to do football. And in this industry, you kind of have to pick a sport. There are agents who do multiple and some are very good at it. But for most of us, one sport is um, the way to go because you have a season and if you do another sport, your off season is your on season for that other sport. And it just becomes a really crazy life. So I chose football and I looked up kind of the qualifications requirements, discovered you have to have a advanced degree, which is a master's or a doctorate. And so I was like, perfect. JD works. And then, you know, I, I started studying for my LSAT. I went to law school in about a year into law school. I figured out this is impossible. I'm never going to become an agent and I need to pivot. So I started doing more public interest work. I worked for a nonprofit. Um, I worked for the public defender and I was going that route. I wanted to be a public defender and uh, God obviously had other plans for me because the summer going into my last year after I'd completely given up on this dream and I, I was okay with it, to be honest, I, I wasn't bitter about it. My boss found me and at the, I found him at the perfect time. And he said someone gave him his name, my name, saying I wanted to do this. And he asked me if I wanted to work for him. And I said yes immediately. And the dream was back on. And I worked for him ever since. And so now I'm five years, almost five years into working for him. And I'm an agent myself. I got certified, fulfilled all the requirements. And yeah, it was a very, like, that's why I say, you know, you have to be open to, different journeys because there's not really a blueprint to get here. But if you keep your mind open and your heart open, when opportunities come, you kind of just have to be ready for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's an awesome journey. And I, I never want to wish adversity onto people, but you mentioned moments where you had to pivot and change your mindset and do things just maybe completely differently than you thought you were going to going into chasing your dream. So I love that you had to overcome all that and that ultimately you were able to get to where you are right now. And it seems like it's a career and a profession that you really enjoy. So I think that's an awesome story. And part of what you do, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier. So obviously there's the player representation side and that includes player contracts, but there's also the marketing side of being an agent that I don't know as many people really take into account when they think of a sports agent. I'd love for you to tell us, like maybe give us a day, an insider look into the day in the life of Molly and what type of things that you're doing for the people that you represent. Yeah. So that's actually one of the most fun parts about our job, but with um, football players, it's tough because they wear helmets and there's 53 of them on every team. So you think about it, there's, there's only so many marketing dollars out there. And that's why you see Baker Mayfield on your TV every five minutes and you see um, Aaron Rodgers on your TV every five minutes. Really, there's about 10 guys who get a majority of the marketing. 
So a lot of it is um, grinding for these guys and finding regional and local stuff. And so it's not as glamorous as it may seem. Now, I'm in a very fortunate position because um, we also represent Julie. So um, between her and her husband, Zach, right now, I mean, they're kind of at the top of their game. They're a power couple. Like I said, Julie just won player of the year. She's coming off a World Cup. So right now their marketing is unique to our business because typically we don't have a lot of exposure to these huge deals uh, because, like I said, the players, they're not as recognizable. There's so many of them. So right now I'm in a unique position where I'm going to do some really cool deals. Um, there's a commercial right now out with Julian Zach for Visa. They've done deals with Muscle Milk and Nike and Secret Deodorant, just like tons of really fun stuff that I'm in a really blessed position to work on and with. Um, and that's been really fun because it's, like I said, they're bigger deals and you see them on your TV and that's really unique um, unless you do represent one of those top quarterbacks or pass rushers. But, you know, the day-to-day is, it's a lot of hard work. You either, there, one of two things happens, either the company comes to you or you have to go to them. So if you have to go to them, that's, you know, tough. You have to pitch your client and tell them why they align with the brand and why they're going to be valuable for the brand. In this day and age, it's really all about social media. Um, the brand wants to know how many followers that your client has on all the platforms, mostly Instagram. Followers are basically currency at this point. So like this summer, I just kept watching for Julie to hit a million. And when she hit a million, it just was the greatest because I knew we were in a, a new you know, echelon of talent as far as marketing deals go. So um, once you have the deal in place, whether they come to you or you come to them, it's a lot of negotiating of what is going to be required of the player. So are they just going to have to post on social media or are they going to have to do an appearance? Is there a production day involved for a commercial? You know, there's a lot of moving parts to these deals um, and you have to basically value them and say, what are you paying my client and what are these things worth? And you negotiate both sides of that, the pay and the services. And then once you get that in place, there's a lot of just scheduling, um, making sure things happen on time and then make sure your pay- clients get paid on time. And for our clients, we're very lucky because we represent all very high character people. So we know when they work with these companies, they're going to leave a good impression. So you hope it leads to something more. But at the end of the day, like for these, especially the football players to get extra money in their pocket is huge. Um, even if it's just a couple thousand dollars, it's something that is on top of their salary because for you know, unless you are the top guys in this league, a lot of guys aren't making, you know, millions of dollars every year like people think they are. So anything extra is just really helpful for their future. Um, and on top of that, it's fun. You know, they, they go to work every day and they beat up their bodies. And this stuff is easy compared to that. Um, and if you have a good personality and you get along with people, it's really not tough work. Um, it's just time consuming. But on our end, it's really fun. It's, it's an adrenaline rush when you are negotiating the deal. Because you know you're putting money in your client's pocket. Um, and it's really, really cool to see stuff like the Visa commercial, you know, and I'm eating Thanksgiving dinner with my family and it comes on. It's like, you know, when you have a part in that, it's really cool to see. Yeah. So would you say then that 
just brand marketing in general, however you want to look at it, is a necessity for all players these days, all athletes, like maybe across the board. Is that something that you just need to understand how to do? Or is that something that is just reserved for more of the star players, like you mentioned? Well, there's there's a couple ways to answer that because there are some agents because pri- we're primarily, you know, player agents. So with our football players, our number one job is to negotiate their contracts. But in football, that only happens every few years. So our agency does marketing. There are, are other agencies where they hire exclusive marketing firms to do that for their clients. So if you want to be an agent, it's not necessary that you also want to do marketing. But for us, they kind of go hand in hand and we like doing it and we're good at it. So it makes sense for us to also do our clients marketing. No one knows them better than us. And we like doing it. I would say it's not necessary for athletes to have it, but it ideally you you have it. Because like I said, it's just extra money and compared to their regular job, it's so easy. It's just really time consuming. So like you know, Julie, for example, she doesn't really have a free day left in 2019 and not really in 2020 either because of the Olympics. And so it really comes down to like, does this athlete want to use their off days to do this kind of stuff? And with social media, it's become a lot easier because now they can just post from their couch at home and, you know, they don't really have to go anywhere, or do anything. But the leading up to that, you know, there's lots of back and forth between me and the brand deciding if, you know, whatever she's going to post is approved. So there is still some legwork there, but it's become a lot easier for these athletes to make money off the field with social media. But I would say as an athlete, yes, you should you should be seeking out marketing opportunities, even locally, even if it's just an appearance at a local car dealership. If you can get paid a thousand dollars for an hour for that, I mean, that might be, you know, your car payment or for a couple of months, whatever it is. Um, And as an agent. I would say absolutely you should be open to learning that that side of the business, because again, the more money that's in your client's pocket, the more money that's in your pocket. So it's all opportunity for everybody. And and like I said, it's really, it's fun stuff and it's cool. And I think a lot of athletes these days, when they are making their decision of what agencies to go with, they really take the marketing into account Um, because they, like I said, they grew up watching, you know, these guys on TV and these commercials, they want to do that too. So I think it's an important skill to have as an agent. It's also something that athletes should absolutely be taking advantage of. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious what the benefits are and the the positives that come out of doing that. But I'm curious, do you still come across athletes that are resistant to the idea, whether it's because they don't want to put the time in or they just aren't interested in being on social media? Do you run across that anymore with today's generation? Yeah, actually I do. Um, and you know, the, you know, agent in me, the PR side of me says, yeah, stay off social media. It's only negative. (laughs) Um, but we tell these guys, you know, you're basically leaving money on the table because even 10,000 followers will get you some stuff. And what's happening is, you know, like when you're watching Monday night football and we'll use like Zach, for example, since it was this week, When he scores that game-winning touchdown, everybody's looking him up and then they're following him and then they're mentioning him and they're talking about him and they're tagging him and stuff. And so every time that you don't – for the long time that you don't have social media, you're missing out on that opportunity to gain uh, fans basically Um, because what happens with social media is they become a fan of yours because of your sport, but social media kind of pulls back the curtain 
and they get to know you as a person more. You know, if you have kids, you post photos of your kids. On your Instagram story, you can post behind the scenes stuff. If you're a gamer, you know, you can post about video games and then you start to attract a whole different fan base. And maybe even if you aren't the best player on the field, these people like you because they have something else in common with you and, and you relate to them. So I love it from the sense that it, it really grows your brand. And, and I do still come across guys and it amazes me because I thought everybody that's 22 years old <laughs> had to love social media, but I have to do some convincing sometimes and explain the value to them. And with that said, you know, there's, we always tell them, use it for that only, you know, we will manage it for you if you want. You can hire someone to manage it. So you never have to read the comments because that's a big thing is there's a lot of negativity on it. But if you use it to your advantage, it, it really does create just a whole other um, opportunity for more money for you. And just to, like I said, build your brand and just have a whole different interaction with fans. That's so cool. And I'm also surprised <laughs> that there are people that are a little bit resistant to it, just knowing what the world is like in social media these days and everyone seems to be on it. So it is a little surprising to know that there are still people out there that don't want to be on it or interact. But I think you outlined a lot of the positives, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, that come from it, not just from a money standpoint, but getting to know you as a person and building that relationship that runs a little bit deeper than we've ever had the opportunity to do so before. So that is all, all that is all really cool. And I'd love to know. So obviously you represent players and you've, you are part of a company that has built up a really great reputation. I'm sure that there's partially players that come to you, but I'm sure there's also partially a uh, place for you to go find players to represent. How does that whole process work? Like, how do you get to represent somebody, whether it's Julie Ertz, like you mentioned, or any of the football players that you represent? How, how does that actually work? Oh, man. <laughs> that's my least favorite question right now, because I'm in the middle of it right now. <laughs> um, so with the football players, I'll start there, because Julie was a unique circumstance. With the football players, it's basically like dating. Um, <laughs> you could basically court these guys from the first moment you communicate with them till right now. So the way that it's set up is for the most part, you reach out to these guys before their senior or their last season. And you basically introduce yourself. You say, hi, I'm Molly McManamy. I'm an agent with Carrick Sports. This is who we are. You know, are you interested in more information? Sometimes you get a response. Sometimes you don't. There's also agent days that these schools host too. Um, not every school hosts them, but they are helpful because it does put you in front of the player early on. Uh, but a lot of them are 20 minute meetings and there's, you can't accomplish anything in 20 minutes. Um, there's just way too many things to answer about the agent business. But when you do just reach out to them, it's really just, you start relationship building. And, and sometimes this is in March. Sometimes this is, a full year before they're done because they maybe were thinking about coming out early. Um, sometimes it's June, July, sometimes it's as late as October. And so the main thing is you want to, uh, we try to meet with them like in person, there's nothing like a face to face meeting, but it really is just basically courting them for as many months as necessary because they are not allowed to even verbally commit to you until their eligibility is up. And so for seniors, that's, the second after their last game. 
So for the guys who didn't go to bowl game this year, that was two weekends ago, you know, Thanksgiving weekend. The second that whistle blows, they can sign with an agent. If you're a junior, you have to declare first, and then you can do the same thing. If you go to a bowl game, you have to wait till after your bowl game, and you, you, you get it. So it's really just a waiting game. Like right now, we're, we're still waiting to hear back from some players that we're still in play for. It's extremely stressful, and it's extremely cutthroat because you are competing against so many other agents. If it's a really good player, I mean, you're competing not just – to prove that you're the best, but you know, these agents are throwing large amounts of money at them. And while yes, you can't pay a player while they're in school, you can tell them, Hey, when you're done with school, I got you 50 grand, you know? And for us, that's not really how we operate. So we're up against a lot, not just proving that we're the best, but also trying to get these guys to understand that you don't want to take the biggest and flashiest thing right now, because what you really want is a long career. You'll make way more money over your career if you pick the right agent. So um, that's kind of the process. That's it's not. I didn't give a ton of detail, but that's that's the overall general timeline of how it happens. Um, and with Julie, it just was she was Zach's girlfriend at the time, and I actually it was right before I started working for my boss. So I actually did not. Um, she didn't hire me. She hired my boss, and we both worked for her. And she won the World Cup in 2015. And I don't know if you know Julie's story, but she was not going to make the roster in 2015. Um, so she didn't have an agent or anything. She got called up. Crystal Dunn ends up getting her. So she ends up playing the entire World Cup in 2015. Kind of became a star on the rise. Had a bunch of uh, media and marketing requests and was like, oh, crap, I need an agent. Wasn't particularly in love with the ones that represented most of her teammates. And so she asked Zach, like, you know, would they want to represent me? And so that's kind of how that relationship came about. That doesn't happen often when they just come to you like that. <laughs> um, so for the most part, it's really like you have to scratch and claw for these guys. I mean, we're talking even guys who are not going to get drafted. I mean, you have to fight for them. And when you get, get one, it is a huge victory. And then there are times where we have veteran players who aren't happy with their agent. And so they can hire, they can fire you. Uh, football players are allowed to fire their agents at any time. They don't have to have a reason. They can just fire you. So if a player is unhappy, he's allowed to fire his and hire a new one. Um, so we've had a few vets over the years, too, who come to us, which is also awesome. We've also had a few vets who kind of hold a new uh, process where they do what they did in college. They meet with a bunch of agents and they pick one. So we have to court them all over again. So there's a lot of uni unique ways, but the traditional, you know, you sign them out of college way. A long process. It's grueling. You have to stand out from everybody else for some reason or another. And then, yeah, this time of year, we're getting the yeses and the noes. It's very stressful. <laughs> hey, everyone. Christine here from Sweat with Stods, one of this show's sponsors. The Dynamic Leaders Podcast is here to help you be a better leader. And the best leaders take care of themselves both mentally and physically. I'm here to help on the physical side by making fitness accessible to everyone. As a certified personal trainer with years of experience coaching fitness classes, I've designed programs that can be followed at home and in the gym. These are intelligently structured programs, giving you a plan to follow to help you be successful. Build strength with my Get Strong at Home program, get quick results with Hit at Home 1 or 2, or work on your health outside of fitness with my Healthy Habits program. As a listener, you can get these programs at a discounted rate by entering code DYNAMIC at checkout. That's D-Y-N-A-M-I-C at checkout. 
So head on over to sweatwithstods.com. That's sweat with S-T-O-D-D-S.com to take the next step toward achieving your health and fitness goals today. One last point I want to ask on that, not to talk about the negative aspect, but I'm curious, obviously you probably deal with a lot of rejection uh, and and that's just part of the industry. So I'm, I'm wondering from a, a mental perspective and an ability to be able to overcome that adversity and still push through with all that rejection, how do you do that on a day-to-day basis? Like, is, is it as simple as not taking it so personally or is there something else to it? No, I think you should take it personally because... I think in this business, it is a personal business. I always say I'm not in the business of football. I'm in the business of people. And like I said, we really get to know these guys over the, you know, six months to a year that we're trying to sign them and you get to know their families. And so I I do take it personally. And the way to get used to it is just to remember that, A, this happens to everybody. Even the top agents of the business are getting told no more than they're getting told yes. And so you can't let it take you down to the point where you think that you're inadequate. You have to remember that it's, this is a totally unique thing for every single player. So when I get told no, it's not because I did something wrong always. It's just because they wanted something different. Um, and so you have to remember that every player has different priorities. For some players, it's going to be whoever offers them the most money. And that's because that player's circumstances have led him to that. And I can't fault him for that. For other players, they really want someone they're going to have a real relationship with. And that works for us usually because we're relationship-based. For other players, it might be, you know, who you, who's already on your client roster. If you represent coaches or not, there's just so many unique things like your location. Where do you send guys to train? There's so many things that factor into this decision. And every guy is so different that the no's that you hear are not saying, no, you're not good enough. It's just, no, you weren't what I was looking for. And you really just have to believe in what you sell. For us, like I'm so passionate about who we are as a company and what we represent and and who we are, you know, like I feel bad for them because I know how much we do for our players. Um, And it hurts every single time. I mean, it's tough when you really like a kid and they tell you, no, it's really tough. But You just have to keep pushing on because even if you only sign one player every cycle, if it's the right player and they're going to have a good career, then you're fine. Because really all this is is profits versus losses. And if you have one player that you make more than you spent on, then you you profited for the year. So you have to really just keep it in perspective of this is part of the business. I'm going to hear no every single year without fail. It does not matter who I am. How much success I see, I will continue to hear no forever. And it's not because I'm not good enough. It's just the nature of the business. I love that perspective. Definitely healthy. And uh, I also think it's very interesting, the TV series Ballers and how much of what you described in the courting process and being able to find clients is something that they pretty accurately portray in that series too. So Very cool. I want to, you mentioned it, I'm glad you did because this is where I wanted to take the conversation next. You mentioned your company being relationship-based. So I'd love to learn a little bit more what that means. Once you get a player signed on, how do you build an actual relationship with them where they trust you to maybe do their marketing? They trust you to make those money decisions, whatever it may be. How does the relationship actually build from the point where you sign them? 
Yeah. So in an ideal world, you already have built a relationship by the time that they sign with you so that you kind of already know each other. There are times where guys kind of come out of nowhere at the end. And so you don't know them as well, which makes it a little more difficult because you're getting to know them then during the training process. But once they sign with us right now, they're a college player. Um, the next step is we move them into their training facility for the combine. We are physically there when we do that. We do everything like we're hands on. I don't think all agencies are like that. I think some agencies have people they hire like that are a bit below them or whatever. Um, but we like to personally be there. And then, you know, right now our training facility is up in Northern California and we're in Vegas. So we try to fly up there once a week and spend time with them. And it really is just like being there, like being present. And you get to know kind of what makes them tick, you know, how they deal with adversity, things that they need on a daily basis from you. There are some guys who you find out they would rather kind of be left alone unless they need something. And that's great. That's what works for them. Other guys want to call us every single day. I mean, I have a client that I talk to almost every single day via text or phone. And that's just because that works for him. And some clients really enjoy talking to their agent. Other clients don't want to talk to their agent. So something good or bad happens. But everybody's different. It really comes down to just spending time with them. Um, and that's where we excel, I think, a lot is we actually invest that time into being present during the fall. We're always at NFL games. We're not at college games because we are with our guys and their families. This is such a unique business and that we're in one state and all of our clients are all over the country. So it's not like we get to see them every day in the office or we get to have meetings with them every week. So those opportunities to go to the game, like the Sunday I'm going to the Cardinals game, I'll see our client on the Cardinals. Um, and we also have a rookie that's in Arizona right now. And so I'll spend time with him because he's training out there. And it really is just, you know, hanging out, like really just getting to know them, talking about things outside of football, uh, figuring out just who they are and what they need from us. And it's an ongoing thing. I mean, every year we have end of year meetings with our guys um, to ask them, you know, what they need more of, what we can do better, just to keep a gauge on them at all times. Because, you know, they're, they're young kids, so they're going to be growing up a lot between the time we sign them and throughout their career. So it's good to always be keeping a pulse on, you know, the changes in their life and stuff. Uh, but it really comes down to just being present. And if sometimes that's on the phone, but we try to do it in person as much as possible. We have almost 30 guys, so it gets hard, you know, to be there for everybody. But we do our best. Um, we host a client retreat every year out here. Um, so we're able to get them all in one place at one time. And then they all become friends. And that creates a whole other level of relationship and camaraderie and so we try to do as much as we can just to keep, you know, them at arm's distance from us so that we're there when something goes wrong. But yeah, it really is just showing up, being there. It's really simple, but it really is something that goes kind of over a lot of agents' heads. Very cool. So I like to try and keep this podcast as positive as possible. So I don't want to talk about the challenges necessarily, but I'd love to know being a woman in this profession, like what are some of the best things about it? Although I'm sure it can be challenging, but what are some of the best things about being a woman in trailblazing in this industry? I, I love the way you asked that question because I do get asked so much, like what are the, you know, the negatives of it and what do you have to overcome every day? But I'm, in, in the same way you said, you know, you like to keep it positive. I do too. I like to think of what, okay, so how can I use this to my advantage almost? So everybody that these guys meet with basically look the same. 
it's a lot of men, <laughs> just to put it lightly. And so I think when they meet with me, I can bring a refreshing, just kind of break from that. And I always say, they're going to remember me one way or another, just based off who I am. I'm a younger woman. So I have two things kind of setting me apart from a lot of the other agents. And so I get to decide how that memory is going to be. It's either going to be a good way or a bad way. And so instead of trying to be like the, the men that they meet with, I just be myself. And I don't try to act like a man. I be, I'm a woman and I lean into that and I use my femininity to my advantage. You know, a lot of people really trust their moms and a lot of people know that women get stuff done. Like for a lot of guys, if something's going wrong in their life, they call their mom and they know their mom's going to handle it. And so if you lean into that power that um, women hold, it really is an advantage. It's not a disadvantage because I bring something that a man never can. And in the same way that I can't all of a sudden wake up tomorrow and be a, a man and make people respect me for that, the men can't wake up tomorrow and be a woman. And if I'm out there just trying to act exactly like all the other men are, I'm not bringing anything different to the table. And I would rather get told no for who I actually am than get told yes because I pretended to be something that I'm not. Or I changed who I was in order to conform to this industry. This industry needs different. It doesn't need the same thing it's had for the last 50 years. And so I just try to be myself. You know, a lot of people probably look at my social media and I'm I'm a normal 28-year-old woman on social media. I go, I hang out with my friends. I go on vacation. I hang out with my family a lot. I post my dog a lot. I like do the normal 28 year old things. You know, I'm at weddings all the time because I'm in that stage of life. My friends are having babies. I don't hold back from being a 28 year old woman because when someone signs with me, I want them to really sign with Molly. I don't want them to sign with this version of myself that I created so that they're comfortable. I would rather make them uncomfortable. And then they say no, because there are people who are going to say yes. And the more yeses that I get um, along the way, just being myself, that that creates room for more people to come in and be different. And then more people feel comfortable not having to be just the same thing that all these agents have been for years. And like I said, as a woman, we have so many powerful qualities. I literally call it my superpower. <laughs> being a woman, is, it's not a disadvantage. It's not, you know, some leg down. It's truly a superpower. And I lean into that instead of trying to mask it or cover it up. I love that you lean into it so much and that you have the confidence to be yourself. And I follow you on social media and I've seen pretty much everything that you've outlined. It's obvious that not only you love your job, but you're also, like you said, a 28 year old woman who has a life outside of your job that you really love and enjoy too. The last point on that, that I want to get your perspective from is the confidence piece. Like, where does that come from? How, how were you able to get to the point where you are so confident in who you are that you know that you can get the job done regardless of gender, regardless of age, you are just confident in who you are and know that you can get the work done that you are asked to do. It's funny because people always say I'm so confident and I don't like feel that way on the inside always. (laughs) So when people say that, I'm always taken aback because it's just funny how, you know, we can be so self-deprecating in our minds and have no idea that we're portraying something else on the outside. But it's always good to hear. I read something recently that 
really has stuck with me. And I, I've been trying to figure out my definition of confidence. And I've realized my confidence comes from showing up for myself. So, for example, if I say I'm going to go to the gym at 6 a.m. and I go to the gym at 6 a.m., I'm confident in myself because I know I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. So I think it just comes from over time being accountable to myself and also just doing the work. So I don't have to pretend when I'm in these meetings or I'm trying to sell myself. I know the work I do and I know what I've accomplished to this point and, and what I'm, I'm capable of doing for these guys. And so I think the confidence is just like a true like reflection of who I know I am. And again, that comes from just discipline and accountability and showing up all the time in all aspects of my life for myself. I did a half marathon recently um, for the first time, probably the last time, <laughs> but I set this goal in March, I think of this year, March or April. And I remember when I did it, I was like, I'm probably going to fail. Like, I'm not going to do this. Like I kept having that voice in the back of my head. And then when I did it, it, I never felt so just overcome with pride for myself and in my abilities and in my word and saying, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something. And that's why I do stuff like that. Um, you know, people call me crazy. I, everyone's always like, how do you have time for all this stuff? You know, you have your job and then you're running. I was training for my half and then I did it. And it, it just boils down to like, you have to keep doing things to, to prove to yourself that you are who you say you are. So I think confidence just comes from that, just showing up for yourself every day and doing what you say you're going to do. Awesome. Molly, if people want to find you on social media, learn more about you, follow along with your journey, where can they find you? Uh, my Twitter is Molly Mac with three L's. So it's M-O-L-L-L-Y-M-A-C-K. And my Instagram is just Molly Mac without the three L's, M-O-L-Y-M-A-C-K. And yeah, I try to post work stuff as much as possible, but there's a lot of dogs and sunsets and photos of my grandparents. <laughs> but I, I do try at least to make myself visible and, you know, show people that there are people that look like me that come from where I come from and act how I act that are doing this job and doing it well and that you can be successful doing this job, you know, in a different way than maybe it's been done in the past. So I'm not the most exciting follow, but there, there will be some cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure for a lot of folks on here, the dogs and the sunsets will be enough to get some extra followers. So are <laughs> <laughs> really cute too. So yeah, <laughs> that's a plus. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Molly. Well, the show is called Dynamic Leaders. And obviously, you are on the show as dynamic leader in your own right. And you've showcased a lot of that during the course of our conversation today. But I do like to also give my guests an opportunity to shout out someone who's been influential in their life or showcased really great leadership qualities. Do you have somebody that you'd like to give a shout out to today? I mean, my personal just, you know, hero are my parents. My dad has overcome a lot of adversity and just kind of shown me what it means to just always go for it. And he's just that person for me that I look to and I go to for advice. He's just talk about confident, like he just believes in anything that he sets his mind to. And then my mom is a really powerful, strong force in the work field. She's always been a working mom and, and she's always kind of shown me that balance of being a strong woman at work, but also 
you know, being able to come home and be a mom and, and lean into that side of her as well. So I was just really lucky that the leadership that I would, that I needed was in my household and both parents have different qualities that I've taken from. Um, and I'm really lucky that, you know, I've had those examples close to me. I, I know that's cliche, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it truly is like true. I, I would not be right here without their support, not just, you know, cheering me on from the sidelines, but uh, my dad has, personally financially sacrificed a lot for me to do this. I have two sisters. One of them is an actor and one of them works in a nonprofit. So we both kind of, or we all three have kind of chosen paths that are not incredibly lucrative and not, well, they can be, but they're very risky. And my parents have just been there. Like, if this is what you love, do it. And I know that that's not the case for everybody. And so I think I would be wrong to not say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you're definitely onto something with that. It, it's pretty clear, I think, that that is uh, supporting you the way that they have is is something that has really made you who you are today. So I think that is a great shout out and an awesome way to end this conversation. Molly, I really can't thank you enough. It's been awesome to get the perspective that you gave to the business side of sports and also just learn more about you and certainly excited to continue to see the successes that you have and follow along with you on social media. But thank you again so much for taking some time to hop on the show today. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. 